Blah. Y'all already know what it is. Your boy Yakov with it do the outlet to reality. The holders podcast in Vegas and Chicago. What up? This is the place where you want to hide from your drama or maybe hide from your baby mama. <laughs> Just kidding. But anyways, fans, thank you for staying tuned. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Ching. And today we have a very special guest who I consider one of my favorite teachers of all time. Give it up for the one and only Mr. Harris. Thank you. Thank you. You can just call me Brian if you want. Yeah. Sorry. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. So look, so look, Mr. Harris, I, I have to share this for people that don't know. So for those who don't know, uh, Mr. Harris uh, was one of my teachers, my favorite teachers at um, Northtown Academy International Charter School in Chicago. And one memory I have from you, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When Mr. Uh, Mr. S, you know, he would give big, you know, lectures. And I'm going to be honest, I... I I didn't it didn't process in my brain his stories. It just didn't. Like I, I didn't it didn't feel like and he's a great guy. It just there's different yeah. styles of teaching and getting to your students. And mm-hmm. I love this part. Brian, Mr. Harris will pull me to the side. He's like, hey, hey, this uh uh just come to my office. You know, we'll figure this out. Don't worry. He played it real mm-hmm. cool. So we'll go to his office. And we'll talk about it will be like history, probably about so, some history, but the Cold War, something that I did not get. And I was like, Mr. Harris, you got to help me out. I, I just don't get it. And it was so cool because you broke it down and you made it fun. And at the mm-hmm. same time, after we were done, like, you know, doing, you know, work, you're like, all right, now we could talk about anything you want. And it was so cool because I could be free. I felt like I wasn't uh-huh. stuck in a cage and I, I could share about anything like my day, um, what's going on with life. And it was just so nice because, you know, you're very smart. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Very smart. And, and I love that. It, that's like one of my favorite things. And, and here's another thing, too. Ms. Muller, who, who's your wife, amazing yeah. person. <laughs> she's upstairs. Oh, she's upstairs? <laughs> yeah. She's sleeping. Oh, she's sleeping. But she's 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 also an amazing person too. Like she uh really also um you know helped me out in Spanish, uh also with acting. And I gotta say, you know, without you two, I, I feel like you really helped to make school fun. Uh wanted me to stay and um be active. So I, I got to give you guys credit. So I, I I had to share this. That's why I'm so happy you're here, Mr. Harris. I don't know if you have any other Thank stories. You, <laughs> you know, uh, as, as a teacher, I have to say, you don't really hear that a lot. And you're never really sure. You know, especially, I don't know, like if you're a special ed teacher, you know, you get to you're dealing with like, you don't know how the progress is goes with students or what kind of impact you're having a lot of the time um it's different you know like okay so with emily harris um formerly muller kids would come into her classroom ideally at the beginning of the year not knowing spanish and then at the end of the year they would know spanish and that was like 
not all of them, obviously. Some of them, you know, only picked up a little bit. And that is like evidence of learning. But I never felt like as a teacher that I got very much evidence of an impact that I was having a lot of time or it would take a really long time, you know, like years of working with, with a student. Do you remember Sherrod Harper? Yeah. Yeah. Like him. I, I worked with him for a really long time and I was able to see like from the beginning to the end. And that was very nice. Cause like, you don't really have students in like a class, like a general ed teacher does. That's amazing. And, and- but, but yeah, that's really good to hear. Thank you, David. that was pretty funny um yeah i remember one time you were gonna go out on a date and i loaned you ten dollars you did you did (laughs) (laughs) you so dang you got a good memory i gotta be honest i don't know if i told you this part but when we went out we went out you know we went out for one food it was like at this spot on pulaski and uh, Lawrence, it was like a nice little mm. uh, Middle Eastern restaurant. Uh, the day only went, yeah. you know, one. It was only one day. It was okay, but yeah. it was, I looked at it. It was like practice. Even though the girl, oh yeah, she wasn't feeling me. She was like, you know, I think we should just be friends. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh-huh. But sounds uh, good. Right, right. At, at fifteen, least. that's a victory. Or sixteen, however old you were, that's pretty good. It doesn't uh-huh. seem like it at the time. <laughs> but but no that's pretty good whoa i'm so shocked you remember that like that's mr aries i gotta give you credit thank you for you know having my back because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i didn't have it and i think i called my wife and i was like hey david you got any cash all right david montalvo is gonna i'm gonna send him down there in a pass give him ten dollars <laughs> I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you about it later. Or something like that. Like I got it from Emily. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. I, I, I'm so. Um, you just bringing me too much joy. Like so many good stuff that you oh, know. Thank the, you. You know, I, I can't forget. And, and I got to ask you, right? So you know, you've been teaching for a long time. If you can share a little bit of, like, where you went to school and what you that i guess that that spark that you knew you wanted to uh pursue um you know special ed teaching yeah well it's funny you should ask that because i feel like i'm i feel like the spark is dead and i'm trying to move away from something else right now i actually quit my job in january and i subbed a little bit i worked at the post office but i got fired because it turns out i can't drive a postal vehicle safely like they totally proved it to me they're like dude you cannot drive this thing safely without killing somebody and i was like yeah that's fair i'll go work somewhere else but (laughs) that's just a side thing so i don't know i grew up and i had a really bad experience in my schooling i went to chicago public schools for a little bit you know younger and then i went to uh, schools in Elgin, uh, you know, just like, I don't know, 30, 40 miles outside Chicago. We lived there for a few years. Then I went to school in Oak Park, which is pretty close to downtown, excuse me. And uh, now I didn't like school at all. I thought it was terrible. I hated teachers. And then for some reason, like around my early 30s, I was like, you know, I should probably just pack it in and be a teacher because I'd done a lot of stuff in my 20s that um, 
uh, you know, just like nonsense. Like I was a, a like a delivery boy for an insurance company. I drove a taxi. I was a bike messenger. Um, I worked at a library, just like putting labels on books and things like that. And I think, and I thought, well, during this time, you know, this was after college. I didn't really like college either. Um, after college, I think I got more interested in actually learning things and being smart. Like, basically, I think I wasn't ready to go to college because I didn't care about anything related to learning or any of that until I was like in my fourth year of college, which is way too late to have that realization. And I feel like I should have just messed around for a few years after high school until I was actually ready to go. I don't think there's anything magical about going to college at 18. You know, if you, a lot of people can do it and that's an appropriate age for a lot of people. I mean, you went right after after your senior year, right? Like yep. you started going to Northeastern. Yep. That's all right. But I don't think I was there. I don't think I was mature enough or I don't even know. But so then I did a lot of learning in my 20s about various things. And I decided that, you know, I really liked the idea of public education and about how its function in, in democracy and um, I wanted to be, so I went into teaching history my first year, and it was at this private school. It was terrible, a terrible situation, awful school. It's just like a smoldering pile of rubble now. Like, if you look it up on Google Maps, you look at it, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> um, the, uh, and then I got hired at Northtown because Emily worked there. And I got hired there to be a sub for some teachers who were going on leave, like an English teacher, a history teacher. This went back, they had psychology then. So I was doing those jobs. And about two months after I started working there, one of the teachers I was going to go on leave for switched to special ed. And she worked as a special ed teacher for like a week. And then she went on leave and had her baby. So all of a sudden I was a special ed teacher. Wasn't... Up to the day that happened, I had never considered being a special ed teacher. So, but then I realized that that job was way better than the other type of teaching for me because you get to have closer relationships with students. Um, I think just among teachers, I think special ed teachers are really uh, better, <laughs> not better, just like the type of people I prefer to hang out with more than English teachers who seem like super uptight to me, just as an example. <laughs> um, and so Catherine Coughlin, my boss at the time, was like, well, if you go back to school this summer and take three classes, we'll hire you on as a full-time special ed teacher next, or next year. And I was like, cool. And so that was in 2008. And at the end of that year, I actually got fired by Civitas by the principal on like her last day. And I told Catherine and she said, just ignore that. And I took the three classes. And then at the end of the summer, I contacted Civitas and I was like, Hey, I work there. And they're like, Oh shit, you do. Cause they're so disorganized. And then I negotiate. And then I told them to give me a 4% raise and they did. Oh, <laughs> and wow. 
two months after firing me. And I don't even know why they fired me, like, because we were non-union then. And so they didn't have to tell anything. So then I worked as a special ed teacher there for um, eight more years until I moved here to Wisconsin. And, and real quick, so you knew Emily, who's now your wife, um, way before Northtown. And, and yeah. when did you knew, like, because um, this is, I'm always curious, when, when did you, like, set the first date and you knew this is going to be your girl? Like, you, you, you already had that oh, attraction uh, towards her? Yeah. Our first date was on January 1st of 2006. And I had met her in grad school in 2005. We were in the same class together. And we always just used to have these super awkward conversations after class. And like, I didn't know what to say to her at all. I went up to her and I was like, um, wait, what did I say to her? I was like, what does Mexico lindo mean? And she goes, it means beautiful Mexico. And I was like, okay. What is Michoacan? And she goes, that's a state in Mexico. And I was like, cool. And then she just like turned around and left and she went through these doors. And I thought they were the doors of the parking garage. And I just remember thinking that girl has a car, but really it's just the computer lab. I don't know why she had to turn around and go run into the computer lab in retrospect. And then the last day of that class, I hated that class. But the, the, last, the last day of that class, I was hanging out at the end waiting for her to go in the hallway so I could talk to her and get her number. And she just kept talking to the teacher. And I, every time I was in class and to, in teacher school, I was like, I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. That was just going on in my head the whole time. Like I didn't, <coughs> I, was, I didn't feel like it was doing anything other than putting me through steps that I needed to get a degree. So I was just waiting for her. And then I was like, forget this. I'm leaving. So I just left. And then like a month later, I interviewed at DePaul for a job in the library. And I had four years experience doing this exact same thing. And they wanted to pay me like $6 an hour when previously I was making like a salary. <laughs> and so they were pay wanting to pay me like nothing. And I got really depressed about that. And I went home and took a nap. And then I opened up my email and there was an email from her saying she needed some information about how to find something on the internet. And I remember thinking to myself, she knows how to use Google. And then I was like, that girl likes me. And then I just shut my computer and I went back to take a nap. And then I just emailed her later. We started emailing it. And then we went out on our first date and that was it. Whoa. Now we have kids and everything. I know it's, it's, it's amazing how like life went so fast. Cause when I, when I was in Northtown, I knew you and, uh, Miss Harris, you both were like really close, and I was like, "Man, they're gonna. I know they're gonna get married. I had a feeling that I, I, I could, mm -hmm. I could feel the 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 attractionness and the closeness. I'm like, they're they're yeah. gonna marry soon, and you guys did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got married. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long after I started seeing her that it was pretty obvious we were gonna get married and have kids. I was like, I could either do this or like die i'll get my like head stuck in a bucket and nobody will be around to take it off for me and i'll like get starved you know <laughs> or something i was like uh yeah i just felt like i really uh needed her and so 
and then we moved to Wisconsin and I was like, all right, well, I'm doing this because it's for her basically. No, not really. I mean, it's for both of us, but it was her idea. So I had to put a lot of faith in things. And then we moved here and for the first couple of years. It was pretty rough. I was pissed, but, <laughs> but now things are fine. Yeah. What, what, what made it hard to go to Wisconsin? Is it because everything's far away? Like, yeah, and it's just you can't – where I live, it's getting better now. You can't get anywhere without driving. That drives me crazy. I hate that. It's so, you know, there's, like, no public transportation. Or there is, but it's bad. It's not like in Chicago. You can just whip around anywhere. You ride your bike anywhere. I love that. There's people out on the street all the time. We'd sit on our porch and just watch people walk by. And uh, here – Somebody will walk by and like a nice day, somebody will walk by your house like maybe once an hour. <laughs> you know, and they're just walking their dogs. So there's no kind of community like I felt in Chicago. And Chicago was really diverse. I loved that. Like where we lived in, in Albany Park. And here, like this neighborhood is like what 85% white. The neighborhood to the east is 97% white. The neighborhood to the west is like 95% white. There's just like no diversity you know and so madison is very segregated and i mean i had no idea when i was moving in you know but that's just um that bothers me you know that there's that there's so many that just like everybody around here is white it's just families just in houses you know as opposed to just chicago's cool Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and I was gonna yeah. tell you, is there any other staff that you still talk to from Northtown, like Mr. P, Mr. Chow, or anybody, uh, Miss Feldman, or just that? Well, the thing is, they're all on Facebook, so like I can interact with them on Facebook, but I don't really like to use Facebook. Oh, uh, Miss Holper, I forgot. She's a good friend of mine, but I, I don't talk to her that often. And, uh, you know, Miss Navejas, she used to be Miss Riggins. She's yeah. a Spanish teacher, short red hair. Yeah, we are, we're good friends with her and her uh, husband and kids. And we went camping with them like two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Man. So, um, and now I'm not working anywhere. I'm not sure what I'm going to do in a couple weeks. I keep feeling like I'm a teacher on summer break, but I'm not because I quit my job in January. <laughs> so that, just because summer doesn't mean I'm on summer break. Yeah. Right. So what yeah. what, what, what do you feel like is the, uh, like what, what made you leave, you know, teaching, like make that. I just, I just started thinking just over and over. So like when I was a kid, as I told you before, like I had all these thoughts about how against education I was and um, just like the, the authoritarianism and the yelling and the just like, just do this and it's going to be better and you're going to go to college and all that. And I was just very skeptical about all that. Like the only reason I went to college is because I want to move out of the house and I could do it that way because back then college was cheap enough to actually be able to do that. But then those thoughts started coming back to me and it was kind of a result you know my school district really pushes people to be anti-racism educators you know because i mean schools were built specifically in this country for white people 
you know, and what we've been trying to do. So they desegregated schools legally, right? But like these models that we use, like the like the bell schedule model at, at Northtown, you know, you just go here, 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 here. It's built for a, a different time and a different people with the specific intention of excluding everybody who's not white, right? And we're still using it, you know, and I think things need to be a lot different. And I concluded that through the anti-racism training that the district encouraged me to go through. I was like, oh my God, like, I think this whole situation as it is now is just like irredeemably racist. And like, I saw a lot of teachers do it. And like teachers did a lot of good things, you know, like put up Black Lives Matter flags in the classrooms, trying to just show like, um, you know, we threw out all the old books that we read when I was a kid, you know, and kids were, the students now were choosing books about characters who looked like them, who had experiences like them. Like when I was a kid, it was just like Huckleberry Finn. You got to read that, the Scarlet Letter, just like the, you know, American classics. And that, I mean, the Huckleberry Finn has an N-word in it like hundreds of times, you know, and like, so it's good they got rid of that, you know. And but at the same time, and I think those things are important, but at the same time, I saw them all kind of as like lipstick on a pig, you know, like it's good that we're doing this stuff, but like fundamentally it's rotten, I think. Whoa. Just I don't think I don't think like the idea of grouping students by age is a good idea. Um at all because like as i was talking about before like people mature at different ages and things like that i don't think students have enough choice at all in what they're doing why is it that like every ninth grader's got to learn biology every 10th grader's got to learn chemistry i'm sure it's like a really easy and straightforward way to do things if you're of the idea that adults have to have a lot of control over kids i think that's the way to do it or if you, if you if you're if you're going from the foundational belief that students will make a lot of bad choices um and kind of need to be told what to do i'm not completely sure where I get, where i'm going with this philosophy yet it's still kind of a work in progress but i think what it should be is you show up to school and you have the choice of going to class or not and there are lots of different options. Like there'd be like woodshop class and you could like go in there and you could drop in for like three hours and just spend all day making wood stuff. Or you could go to like a class, you know, or you could have like a scheduled, you know, reading circle and discussion circle with an English teacher, or you could, you know, go do math on a computer or you could go do math with like blocks or whatever, you know, there should be lots of different options. I mean, this would cost like a billion dollars more than, than what we're doing now, but we should be paying that. We should have that money because we do in this country and we spend it mostly to have soldiers all over the world protecting American, protecting American businesses. You know, we spend $850 billion a year on our military. So like the money is there. It's just not being sent on schools to do it in the best way. And I mean, I look at it as like, 
every class of freshmen that I taught this year, I taught three classes of freshmen. There always be like five kids who did not want to be there and were just disruptive as a result and brought down the like um, educational experience of people who did want to learn. And, you know, Northtown was kind of crazy, like the stuff they could get away with there that I don't think is replicable anywhere else. Like just because it was a charter school, we had this idea of like, fuck around, get kicked out of class, pardon my language. But like a lot of schools can't do that. Almost no other schools can do that, I think. Right, right. And so, you know, in a public school, you can't really do that. So I'm just thinking like, these guys don't want to be there. We should not force them to go. It's like adults are walking around taking students and like pushing them into rooms that are along this corridor, right? And it just seemed so much to me like prison, you know? And I think that through mass incarceration of black people, the that's kind of how it's racist in that it seems like we're training people for prison using that model and it works for some people but like and i think those people should be able to have that if if they want there should be a program like that but there should also be programs where i don't know students should be able to have far more freedom because when you choose to do something you um want to do it (laughs) right yeah so just i think you know go to school and if you don't know what you want to do, there should be like a room where you can hang out and adults will be there and be like, well, maybe this thing that we're offering is good for you or maybe not. Because I don't think that anybody is just going to go to school every day and just hang out in this room paying, playing ping pong for 10 years or whatever and never get educated. Like, I don't see that happening. You become people are naturally curious I think a lot of the reason people don't participate in education is they don't like being forced into it, Mm. you know? So, and I don't know. I feel like, I just feel like there are, there are just kind of negative assumptions made about young people that kind of the whole thing is based on now. And I, I just don't want to be like part of that. But also, I quit in January because this kid stole $40 from me and faced no punishment. And then they let a parent come down to the classroom to yell at me, and they didn't care. (laughs) I told them, I was like, hey, this guy was led into the building to come yell at me in my class. And the principal was like, well, you should be happy he was he's involved in his kid's education. I was just like, forget this place. I'm out. So I'm not sure what I'm going to do in a couple weeks. Um when the school year starts because i'm gonna have to get a job then but i don't know i have to make four more student loan payments while working in education and then i get them off then i get the rest forgiven so that's my plan for now i'm not sure what else i want to do well i gotta be honest um brian this is very interesting what you shared i think you're so right on that students should be able to find something that they like, you know, whether it's, you know, cutting wood, being a mechanic, 
or something that is part of the curriculum, not the basic, like just biology, math, you know, and I, I agree with you. Every kid's brain works differently. You know, for me, it's more like I like movies a lot. So I'm a very visual person, right? Or stories. Some people, they like group activities, right? That's how they learn. I think there has to be a way where every student um, can find um, something or a class where they feel that it goes along with their their passion or whatever it may be. And I, I think you're right. A lot of things needs to change. Um, and it's going to take time, right? Because, you know, every system, you know, like one thing that you made me think too, like in Europe, education actually, or actually, actually I would say Asia, education is the number one um, priority. That's where all the taxes goes to. And they pay their teachers better than the U.S. And it's, it's just... Yeah to show you the difference, you know, um, mm -hmm. I think it's amazing. And uh, what you said, and I, and I, I love, I love you like for, for sharing that. Um, I am going to wrap up the podcast cause it looks like zoom about to kick me out, but let me just say this okay. real quick. <laughs> let me say this real quick guys. Uh, this is the outlet to reality. The oldest podcast in Vegas and Chicago every Tuesday. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Ching ching. Y'all know where to find me. I'm on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, the Outlet to Reality. My Snapchat is Take More Pass It. And my TikTok is at Yakov28. And Brian, where can my fans find you? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> I I have a Twitter at Brian D. Harris, but I think I'm gonna delete it because now it's X. I don't know what the heck is going on with that guy, man. He, he ruined it. So, I'm oh. just chilling in Wisconsin. Oh, man. Madison, the east side. <laughs> I love it. I love it.